Hi, this is your host Corbin. And I'm Alan. And this is your guide for Turi Mayer's 1999 film, Candyman, Day of the Dead. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 99 to remember the top movies released that year. They were Fight Club, American Beauty, 10 Things I Hate About You, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Toy Story 2, Eyes Wide Shut, The Green Mile, The Iron Giant, The Mummy, Stuart Little, and Tarzan. From that year, we have reviewed The Sixth Sense, The World Is Not Enough, General The Wolf Brigade, and later this year, we are reviewing The Matrix leading up to the new film. Links to all of those reviews are in the description below. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 99, then head over to letterbox.com and make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Our profile links are below. At the 71st Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Shakespeare in Love. Okay. So for the production of Candyman 3, I really couldn't find anything because this was not a theatrically released film, at least in the United States. That is, it was theatrically released in France on August 11th, 1999. It came to home video and in 99, home video pretty much meant VHS. So that was the only way to see Candyman 3 was from your local blockbuster or you might have been able to go to Walmart or something like that and just buy the third movie and go watch it in your own home theater. That is interesting, um, especially because, you know, since the last two were in theaters, but uh, as we noted, uh, Candyman 2 um, did not do very good in the theater at all. Uh, it did pretty bad. And so, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense why they would go for just straight to home release for this one. Um, however, it's surprising that, you know, for a movie that's become, you know, it's for, it's surprising that even though it had two theatrical runs, they're still willing to make a film out of it. They're still willing to, I guess, try and milk Candyman for some more. Uh, but home releases... Um, Usually not a very good sign. It's usually not a good sign. It shows there's not enough of an audience for it theatrically, which is true. The second film grossed significantly less than the first for both films only grossing around $39.7 million at the box office with a budget of around $12 million. Eh, I mean, you're really not doing too well there. There's just not enough popularity there. Tori Mayer is mostly known for doing TV. He has done Smallville, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, other shows I've never even heard of, shows about witches. So he really hadn't done a whole lot. And the only movie he had done before Candyman 3 was Sleepstalker. I've never even heard of Sleepstalker. Uh, it has a 4.7 on IMDb. Somewhat of a horror film, it looks like. And after that, uh, he pretty much went straight to television and he, he did a lot of producing, very little directing after that. So as we noted last time, Bill Condon went on to win the Oscar for writing Gods and Monsters. Everybody went on to better things. So they kind of just handed the property off to this guy who had really never done anything before except some Sleepstalker movie that 
probably nobody saw. Yeah. Well, honestly, though, Alan, what surprises me more than anything is that we are getting a fourth film just going off of this information we've discussed so far. It's, I think, honestly, the only reason that we are getting a fourth movie is thanks to none other than Jordan Peele. Since we know this was a very influential horror film on his life, it's really his power that is resurrecting this property, I believe, because he is executive producing and writing. But as for the writer of this movie, Alfredo Septien, he wrote Leprechaun 2 in 94. He also wrote Sleepstalker with Turi Mayer. And then he would go on to do like almost every single project with Turi Mayer afterwards. Turi Mayer also wrote this movie. Of course, it's based upon Clive Barker's short story. Barker had no input in the writing process whatsoever, from my understanding. Um, it, it is interesting, though, they did submit it to the MPAA. It did receive an R rating, so it was, you know, a lot of direct-to-video uh, type stuff. They don't go through that process. It's just usually unrated. Um, that wasn't much of a selling point back then. It really wasn't much of a thing. Um, but it does cost money to have your film submitted and rated for those things. So when did it hit home video? July 9th, 1999. We actually just crossed over the 22 year anniversary for this film about 28 days ago. So I know it back then I would have been a little over four. Alan, you were in the three range. We were both very, very young when this movie came out. And as of all the released Candyman movies, this is the shortest one, clocking in at 93 minutes. Not much of a difference, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're all about an hour and a half. Uh, So this is honestly nothing uh, too far outside of the standard runtime for a Candyman movie anyways. As for what people thought of this movie, critics and audiences, it's not pretty. Letterboxd has it at a 1.8, which is an average review out of five. That's pretty horrible. Um, Yeah, that's bad. It's very bad. IMDb is worse as well. A straight four, which is a precipitous drop from the first film's 6.6 and the second film's 5.3. Yeah, so far, they've kind of been on a downhill slope. Um, Was there any metascore for this? (laughs) There was no meta score for two or three, um, but there okay. was, and there's no cinema score either since it wasn't released theatrically. Um, there was a mm-hmm. uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics rating of a 10%. Only 10% of critics gave it a pass. 90% said, don't go and see this one. And audiences, only 24% were on board, which is only a 6% drop from the second film. So, audiences between the second and third didn't really see much of a difference at least as far as the audience score goes yeah yeah these scores are um all around bad yes across the board horrible yeah last time we talked about how they're not looking too great you know and this one is just straight up bad basically any score you look at is in the very so far in the red so it's mm. i mean when it's straight to direct to home video and your previous movie also had pretty low scores you know i guess it's almost as if this is almost like it's expected i guess uh so not looking too great uh not looking too good didn't go to the theaters didn't does not have very good scores (laughs) it's not good for the movie yeah i am really curious next monday what our thoughts will be on this film 
since go back and listen to our review of the second one i think you know going off the scores of the second movie i was expecting something much worse and i think in some ways it met our expectations in some ways it it was a little better than i was thinking but as of whether we recommended it or not you're going to have to go back and listen to the review both reviews for canyon one and two are available right now but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this movie will surprise me. I'm not sure. But Alan, thanks for joining me. I'll see you on Monday. Sure thing. And thank you listeners for coming along with me as I've been your guide to the production and impact of this film. Now that you have your guide to Candyman 3, make sure to subscribe to the podcast for Alan and I's full review coming next Monday. And tune in the week after as we witness Jordan Peele's take on the Candyman. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.